Welcome back to Soulback. This is the R&B Podcast. Kyle here, back with Tom and Ed. Guys, another week of R&B. Claire, what a week it was. This week, I don't know if there's ever been a week where I have questioned humanity more. Where I have sat on my corner of the internet and been like, am I the only person who is sane on these here digital highways? Because everybody crazy. Everybody. It's going to be a good podcast, guys. It's going to be something. Yep. Uh, can I start off, guys, by talking to my people, the Rich Gang? The Rich Gang or your people? Those are my people, guys. Rich Gang, a.k.a. Team Jacquees, I've got an announcement to make. Mm-hmm. We did it. Jacquees, King of R&B, sold more than Tank's new album, Elevation. So, guys, we were talking about what nickname we would give Jacquees if he's not the king of R&B. Tom, I've got a new nickname for Jacquees, and it's not the savior anymore. i got a better one. Okay. Jacquees' new nickname is The General. <laughs> Did anyone really expect Tank to outsell Jacquees? Oh, well, that's my point. Like, <laughs> come on. Well, let's come think on. about this for a second. The numbers came in, and Jacquees pretty much did double... Of Tank, so the question is, is this more of a win for Jacquees or a loss for Tank? Because, I mean, if you think about it, they, they pretty much gear toward the same audience right now. Not at all. First of all, he doubled Tank, but he also doubled the trolling. A lot of this Jacquees hype is nothing more than hype. He spent the past 12 months talking about how he's the king and he's this and he's that, harassing everybody under the sun. So, of course, people were going to say... Okay, let me see if this dude is any good. When I dropped my review of that album, there were a bunch of people, and I'm talking about pretty much the generation that he speaks to, who said, I knew nothing of this guy until he started talking crazy on social media. So, yeah, I wanted to check it out. And some people liked him, and some were just, eh, it's okay. So, no, this is all about who had the bigger buzz, and he had the bigger mouth and the bigger buzz. Tank just does what Tank does, and I don't even think the audience is crossover for real. Hey, let's not forget, it's unclear if Atlantic Records even gives Tank a budget to promote these albums. It doesn't seem like it, in my opinion. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. Well, Rich Gang, we did it, and uh, we're going we're gonna to keep this W and keep it moving, guys. Well, that sounds like a Rich Gang. Tainted W, just taking credit for nothing. You can have it <laughs> Oh, man. Well, guys, a lot of R&B to talk about this week, but we have to start out with Usher's new single with LMA. Tom, I know you're excited about that one. Don't waste my time. (laughs) We actually got the exclusive on that. Uh, Someone from Usher's team sent us the song. And uh, can I tell you guys a quick story? Go ahead. So that song had been playing on uh, a radio station in Atlanta for couple of days prior to us getting it and i was going to do something that was probably illegal but i needed the exclusive so i was actually going to stream that radio station live record that song uh to my computer when it played because i think it was playing like every three hours and then i was going to post it on the site and the next time that that song was going to play on the radio was like 10 p.m at 9 p.m someone from usher's team said take this song and post it so I didn't have to do anything illegal. Man, I cannot that's believe dedication. that you 
Well, it's also insanity because y'all will be dealing with lawsuits for Christmas. What do you mean? If it's played on the radio, then I mean, it's public domain, isn't it? I guess, but I know it's kind of weird when it comes to, like, ta- I guess it was maybe the way you flipped it. Because if you took it and then kind of had been like, oh, we got the exclusive or something, then that might be shady. Mm, but otherwise, right. <laughs> it's just a whole lot of dedication. So your dedication to your boy Usher is a little bit more than mine. But at least y'all got the exclusive for real, for real. And it just goes to show that this time his team is like, this song is for core, Usher, dedicated, long-time day one fans. So that's why they reached out to y'all. They knew the audience that would love this song. Kyle worked harder to bring people this exclusive than most R&B artists these days work on their album, so that's all I gotta say. Real talk. Real talk there. <laughs> well, I think it's because we slander Usher on the podcast. Like, every week someone was a kid, we gotta shut them up and give them a old school Usher type of record. Well, hold guys, on. We don't. <laughs> I'd say arguably we we praise him, but it's just like tough love. We we call it BS when it is, and we show that's him love true. when it, when he deserves it. Right, that's and true. that's why again I don't even think it was less than it to him to shut him up. I think it was like this is the audience who has kind of lost faith in him. Ness proved that he still got stuff. I think it was a very wise move, and we talk about this with. Instead of the Nivias who go run on Vlad and talk about baby mama drama, if you want your music in front of the correct audience, you go to the correct source. That's what they did, well, so props to them. Well, Kyle, can you speak on something? Because you made a good point to me, because it's rare for a song to come out like this before streaming. You have it on websites, you have it on radio, and you mentioned this happened with Usher before. Yeah, this is how, yeah... Uh, became what it was. I don't think that was actually originally the first single. It was going to be Burn. And then uh, Lil John leaked it to radio and it was just buzzing. So ended up being the first mm. single as a result of just a re- response. And I think it was the same with uh, Love in This Club. I think Polo re- uh, leaked it to radio as well. So it's been done before. Um, I mean, those two were party records. This is more of a R&B groove, so it'll be interesting to see what this does on radio and what the reception is. It's also a different time, Ed. As you know, back in the day, we would discover our music through radio and blogs, but now everyone just waits for the Spotify release to come out. They get a notification, and they can listen to it right away. It's a very McDonald's-ish, deliberate, a la carte, Netflix, have the thing show up right into your inbox type world that we live in now, so... That's where we are. It's still weird for a lot of older artists and honestly, older fans. Sometimes it takes me off guard to realize this is how we move now, but this is how you got to keep up. So, guys, let's talk about the single a little bit. What did you guys think? Because I have words for this single. Oh, I bet you do. Well, I'll go first. I mean, shout out to Jermaine Dupree and Beacox. I mean, I can comfortably say... We've been waiting to hear an Usher song like this for a while. Um, my only critique is that um, it just feels a bit too sampled. Like I, I just felt like it was almost four songs sampled together in one. We clearly hear the Jackson sample and the High Five sample. And then so I even noticed some of the melodies felt sampled. So um, that's my one critique. I, I do love the song and uh, definitely one of the better songs I heard this year, just in the, the nostalgia aspect. You know, we love that. So... We wanted to hear not sure record like this, and we got one. We certainly and, did. I liked it. I, I do think that it's a record, and here I come, because you know I'm going to be me. 
again, this is a good song. It's the type of song we've been begging for forever, as Tom had said. But I do also think a lot of the hype and love is getting is just because of nostalgia. If it's judged as a song on its own, because I've heard people call it already song of the year. I think that's a little bit ambitious because it's good. But I think that's more we're excited more than it's great. Hmm. It's a good song that we're making great because this is what we've been wanting to hear. So I like it. I think it's good. It's Usher. LMA does her thing. I think it's a decent package. As you said, the such the sampling is a little it's not as heavy handed as that Tory Lane stuff, but it's still familiar enough that it works for me. But it's not the greatest thing ever. It's a good song. I've only listened to it like once or twice and I haven't been dying to revisit it because it's a good song. It's an Usher song. It's not the greatest thing ever. Ed, don't be surprised if the song ends up in our top three of the year by tomorrow. Anyways, guys. <laughs> oh, it, probably, it probably deserves it. 2019 was not the best of years. All right. Well, I've got a couple of things to say about this song. Guys, I was right. Usher is making the greatest comeback. Since the emancipation of Mimi. I told you guys this oh, last week. Calm down. He's dropped a fire record. The high five sample is amazing. And guys, I gotta give some props to LMA as well, my girl. She's about to go four for four with Urban number one charting singles. She had uh, Boot Up, she had Trip, Shot Clock, and now this song will be number four. Actually, I think that Meek Mill record went number one as well. But guys, when I think of LMA and Tom, I know you'll get into this because we've had arguments back and forth about the feature. But guys, when I think Ella, I no longer think Fitzgerald. I think May. So, hey. oh my <laughs> God, please get off of this podcast. Oh man, you you know, listen. I, go ahead, Tom. Before I get to rant, it, that, that's the thing about the, the reaction to the song. I mean, it was generally loved, but you could not avoid those comments who said. They should have put a real singer on this record, someone from Usher's generation. I even said a bu- saw a bunch of people say LMA added nothing to the record. So, I mean, that's their opinion. Ed, how do you, I mean, you chime in. I wouldn't say she added nothing to the record. I, I don't think that she blew it away. This is no classic, like, duet. It's not like a, a My Boo, which is a song, as I've gone on record, I don't even really like that song that much. But it's clearly a kind of good back and forth where it's equal parts of two artists. This feels like Usher with Ella kind of tacked on, but she doesn't like ruin the song. This isn't Jeremiah stepping all over the beat. (laughs) Ty Dollar putting me to sleep. There's nothing like that. So she plays her role. Well, I am just still look, I am a very skeptical, crabby journalist, real journalist, not weird old bloggers that y'all used to. So this is a very promising record, but before I get all Kyle and start yelling about best comeback of all time, let's see where we go from here. Let's see if this is a one-off, or let's see if this builds upon a bigger project. Because if you're out here claiming Confessions 2, that's a pretty big bar. And how many sequel albums have we seen flash, like crash and burn? Because there's a whole bunch of Sex, Love, and Pain 2s out here, and oh. not too many Sex, Love, and Pains. So, mm. good starts, but I'm not calling this the best comeback yet, ever. Come on, guys. you got to put faith in Usher. It's not like he's ever tricked us before. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, please. 
Well, oh, it, it's man. interesting, Kyle. I mean, it really is going to depend if this goes number one on. I feel like if the label believes in it, and I think this early campaign is a drum-up interest for the label. Like, the label hasn't officially released this as a single, so I think they're they're watching closely to the reaction the song is getting to determine how much they want to back it. I think that'll be a big factor, too. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. I got a question for you guys. Is this song better than Good Kisser? No. No. Mm, no, I would no, say no. No, no I me, would... Oh, man. Good Kisser was one of the best songs, in my opinion, I heard this decade just because of the the freshness of the time we got it, that, that that aspect, and and just looking back about how everything just never really moved after that like I hoped it would. So I look at that like the biggest missed opportunity of this decade, but man, that song, even though that has samples too, I felt was less prominent, and I like that one better. Yeah, Tom's kind of right. I mean, we just had that list a month or so ago of the best songs of the decade, and Good Kisser was pretty prominently featured there. I can't remember where it landed, but it was pretty high on the list. But yeah, I would, I would again, I'm not dissing this song. I think this song is very good. But I just want everybody to calm down and breathe because it's, Tom just reminded us Good Kisser came out and we thought that, oh, we're back. And we weren't. So let's just see, see how things roll out before we start going crazy. Now, Kyle, I challenged you to something. I said songs like this that are so nostalgia heavy typically from my opinion, don't have a lot of lasting power. Because in my mm-hmm. opinion, they get us excited for the moment. They get us rem- reminiscing about the past. We love it. And then, you know, once we realize eventually it is not the original song, I mean, we just move on to something different. Like, it, Kyle, I, I asked you about Fine China, Chris Brown's, which was like a, basically a Michael Jackson copy. And I said, is that still in heavy rotation? You said you hadn't played it in a while. So, I mean, what's your take? I think there's two things that we have to consider here number one chris brown drops so much music that it's probably hard for me to revisit some songs from 2014 just because if you think about it over the last like two years ed and you can attest to this he's dropped like 95 songs which is unheard of. don't remind me (laughs) um but i mean there is absolutely a nostalgia factor involved in this but i think that's the whole purpose of lma is to bring it bring it a new and fresh um, side to that record. So I get your point, and I'm probably inclined to believe that will be the case when the album comes out. I probably won't listen to this one as much just because of all the samples that are going on, and I'll see what else is on that album. But, I mean, we'll see. It's a good record, and uh, I'm happy for the moment. All right. For the moment, we'll see. We'll see. This is promising. But I just want everybody to calm down and see where we go from here. Right. Um, Guys, I got another question for you guys about Usher. Is this Confessions 2 album the most anticipated album we've heard since... What was the last most anticipated R&B album, guys? Man, talking about a question that grinds this podcast to a halt. I would, you know, I, you asked me this offline, and I said it's usually someone who's making a big comeback after not having anything in, in many years. So I, I mean, obviously, I look at D'Angelo when he came out with his surprise comeback. I mean, and then someone like a Maxwell, like Erica Badu, like those are always in demand because they are quiet and they don't release a lot. So, I mean, then there's new artists. You got to look at someone making their debut. I feel like those are always highly anticipated, but. It's a different climate, though, I feel like. It's not the same. You don't get that same anticipation. 
No, you don't. And the way albums drop, it's not like, again, we remember our days where an artist would be like, so-and-so was dropping his new album in a month and a half. And then you had all this lead up and singles and build up and features and Mm -hmm. this and that. Now albums just kind of appear out of nowhere. So I really can't think of an album this freaking decade that people have been clamoring for. The only album that, I mean, this isn't even r&b for real the freaking frank ocean follow-up to channel orange i remember folks going crazy for that and that album isn't even really an r&b album but this very few and far between and to tom's point the only reason that happened is because that was an artist who stayed relatively obscure and mysterious so that in a, in itself kind of build up a mystique to it but jeez i don't know if there's been one that's an- anticipated as usher's album maybe well, I would say, and he might be a pop artist, guys, but uh, the 2020 experience, I remember the buzz around that one, but that's because he was gone for like seven years, Justin Timberlake. That's a good one, because there was actually some bill That didn't just pop up out of nowhere. And that counts. That was an R&B album. That counts. You know what's interesting, though? I mentioned, that, uh, I mentioned this to you, Kyle. I feel like in today's climate of R&B, the younger generation, people are more fans of particular artists individually as opposed to fans of the r&b genre so yeah. i don't feel like you, you get all these r&b fans you know waiting on an album together i feel like it's kind of scattered you know it's, exactly. it's, almost, it's, it's, it's such a weird time it's it's weird it's part yeah. of the culture mr leo you hit it on that one because we are from a generation where everybody on this podcast can say they're r&b fans they're fans of this genre we want to see the genre itself blow up and we want to, and that's why we're so hard on some of the legends because we're like look y'all y'all are the forebearers you got to go hard because we want the genre to succeed we live in a culture due to social media and standing and every other weird stuff that y'all got going on you maga weirdos is that we get behind one person and we devote everything to that one person and anybody who says anything against that person or any artist that comes in conflict with that person we got to attack them but we say we're a fan of the genre we're really just a fan of that person and we want our one guy to or girl to exceed and excel it's kind of weird and drives me nuts mm-hmm. guys we got a couple of uh, new songs to talk about new albums as well uh, aside from this usher song which we can talk about for another 45 minutes if we really wanted to <laughs> but can we get into the Alicia i know you Keys wish song? you could <laughs> Let's get into the Alicia Keys song "Time Machine." And guys, can I just say this? I don't know if I like this song or not. I'm not saying it's bad, but I don't know if I like it. The beat's good, the vocals are kind of iffy, but as an entire package, I just can't get with it for some reason. I'm with you. Um, it's so, so funny you say that. Um, I just posted over on SoulAndStereo.com. Go check this out. A ranking of Miss Keys's discography from bottom to top. And one thing we talked on the last podcast about how she's been one of my most probably biggest disappointments of this decade and revisiting Mm. her music. You know, we often talk about, Oh, she sucks. Now she's terrible. But revisiting her music reminded me, she's not bad. It's just the most, the stuff in the past decade is just so in like it's, it's technically strong. The vocals are all right. The writing is good. The concept is okay. I just don't care. And that's kind of how I feel about this song. Someone on the cypher said it just felt soulless. 
and that's a good description. It's a good song. It should work, but just said there's a spark that's missing. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's interesting to think about Alicia Keys. I almost feel like her greatness gets underrated at times. Like, I just almost look at her like a celebrity now, and her music has just been underwhelming, like Ed said. She released two albums in this decade, neither of which I really was able to get into. Man, I loved her early work. Her first three albums, to me, like, that was a time when I loved R&B for real. And it's just not the same to me. Um, Obviously, everyone doesn't always keep up, you know, with their earlier work. They can't keep that same level. But, man, it's just, you know, I read your article this morning, Ed. It was good to reflect on her career because she's someone I almost feel like, you know, like I said, underappreciated at times. Yeah. Correction, though, Tom, she she dropped three albums this decade. Which? Uh, what was the third one? Oh, right. Sorry. Elements came out in 2009. Yeah, yeah. it was 2009. Yeah, I was done with Alicia by then. When I heard that Drake song, I was like, woo. Well, and that's... But I was surprised by you liked that time, album, I, I didn't like it I at s- all. Everybody is weird. Everybody hates that album. And I'm not saying that this is the case for you guys, but... I have from the past few years and someone actually commented this on the cipher is that this is the album where her personal issues started getting out. I mean, that Drake song is basically about her creeping around with his beats. And this is the time where everybody was like, "Uh oh, something's going on with this chick." So a lot of the public opinion turned against her there. So I know that is a segment of fans that do not like that album because as this person said, she was putting her business out in the street and celebrating it but i don't know i liked it it was a lot more soulful and had personality as opposed to some of those later ones and even i as i am but we'll talk about that another time (laughs) yep um what would you guys want to hear from alicia keys because i feel like she's tried a bunch of different things and nothing has connected of course we have those pop ballads the girl on fire the no ones which seem to work Earlier in the decade and earlier in her career, but no one wants to hear no one again. Um, and then now Never. we have this 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 more progressive type of production. I think she had it with In Common as well, if you guys remember that song. And I felt like In Common was a good direction for her to go in, but it doesn't seem to be connecting. What do we want to hear from Alicia Keys? Do we want to hear the... I don't think we're going to get whatever we heard on the first album again, if that's what we're going to say. But what do we want to hear from Alicia Keys? Well, there are two different things here. What we want to hear and what the public at large wants to hear. And that's to where she's struggling because she's trying to balance and trying to like cater to two masters and doing something that fits her and is quote unquote soulful yet kind of pop leaning as well. And that's why we're getting this stuff that sounds soulful but really has no soul. It's like some weird zombie stuff. But... I think what I would like to hear is like you said, I like in common. I thought that was the way that she needs to go. I would love to hear her over some kind of grittier, soul, more soulful type stuff and go into that lane. She can still because the piano stuff will work well and she can go in that lane and kind of find herself because there is still some talent there. Y'all re-listening to her stuff. I'm like, she's not bad. She just doesn't know what to do. And if she can lean more toward the soul 
and less toward the weird empty pop stuff that sounds like American Idol, I think she'll be better. But that's what I want. Will that resonate in the mainstream? Probably not. But I don't care about the mainstream. Great, great use of the term gritty, Ed. That's what I was thinking, too. Do you rem- I mean, people forget how she came up, man. I mean, she was super gritty in the beginning. It was raw. And I think, I mean, do you remember that song she had with Nas and Rakim, Streets in New York? That sampled the Nas yes. song? I mean, man, that was listen, Alicia Keys. What you know about that? <laughs> that was, that, that summed her up. And then, you know, I feel like no one, when it came out, kind of changed the trage- trajectory because they kind of, the label was like, let's, let's go more pop. Let's try a more pop sound. And then after that, it was just trying to replicate that. And she, she's been successful to some extent, but it kind of made her lose her way, in my opinion. And her sound, to me, never was the same streamlined as it had been. It never felt, I could never feel it like I did. So, I mean, that happens with artists who are on major labels. But you can't argue with the success. But, I mean, you know, the results are debatable based on what if you like what she's doing or not. Yeah, because the issue with that is when you do follow that lane, as a, I feel like there's a ticking clock. So, as we know, I was not a big fan of As I Am. It was a good album. I cannot, as an unbiased reviewer, I have to say it was a good album. Personally, I will probably never listen to the album again. I, it just doesn't speak to me. But when you go that route, you will be successful in the short term. But when that sound fades and those mainstream fans who aren't really feeling you, they just like you in a moment. You're going to lose them. Then your day ones are going to be like, oh, we don't want to rock with you anymore. Then you're stuck in the limbo. And that's where she is right now. I want, as Tom said, that gritty New York street sound that she had. I remember when she first came out and was super tomboyish and doing that stuff. That's kind of what I want. The the kind of glossy pop star that never fit her image to me. Wasn't her last album gritty? It, mm. to, me, to me, it was. It, it just, tried it, to be it great. Lacked, it lacked catchiness and structure, but I think the production-wise, it was it was um, it was gritty. It tried to be. It goes back to what I was saying. Like it was like this visage of being gritty, but it really wasn't. It's like she yeah. put on a gritty yeah. costume, but when you get to the nuts and bolts of it, it just didn't connect like those first two albums. And even Element of Freedom, as much as I'm probably in a minority on this. I feel like it tried a little bit better than most recent stuff to nail that. But yeah, I get what you're saying, but it just didn't it didn't stick. Hmm. I mean, Kyle, I mean, what's going on here, though? She has a song in the top five on the Urban AC charts, the Miguel single. So why is she... Mm-hmm. And it's only been on there for nine weeks. Why is she suddenly just putting another single out? I think this one is probably more geared towards the mainstream based on the type of production yeah. it is that... That Miguel record is strictly Urban AC. Okay. And I'm also surprised you, you haven't. I'm also surprised that you haven't complained about Miguel being on that record with Alicia Keys. Why? Because of the generational difference. Yep. Hold on, hold on. How old is Alicia Keys? Time to find this out. There is, there is less than ten years in between. That's the rule. Miguel is like five years younger than her. Yeah, but he came out like nine years after Alicia Keys did. That's a different yeah, generation. You know what it? You know what it is though. I feel like Miguel though, he his his music always spoke to a, a bit of an older audience. I mean, he's more grown than like, say, putting Jeremiah on your record. It's not like a forced collaboration. I mean, remember Mariah had the Miguel collaboration. I mean, did anyone complain about that one? 
So no, and it goes no. back to my point that when Tom brings this up, to me it's more about the sound than age. His sound just fits better. And it's funny y'all mentioned this because someone literally just tweeted me. I guess they read my Alicia rankings and got pissed. Their Twitter handle is at Diary of Kesis. So, you know, Stan. Mm. But <laughs> she she or he, I don't know, is mad because they were like, Alicia is almost 20 years into her career with a new R&B smash. So, and then tag me in this Alicia and Miguel song. So, the fans are still there. And yes, this song is moving up the charts, but it's all right. Like everything. Ky- it's all right. Kyle, though, you made a re- great point, Kyle. And I'm ready to make a retraction, guys. You ready to hear this? What happened? What's that? I gave Brandy a hard time for doing a song with Daniel Caesar. Yep. After studying Daniel Caesar's work and listening to that song a lot more closely, I'm ready to forgive Brandy. Wow. Right. There you go. Because his sound fits her sound. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. So we'll take it. All right. Now, when she does a song with Jacquees, then I'm going to have an issue. <laughs> <laughs> uh we got another record to talk about. Tom, Sierra has a new song out with like five other, like five female <laughs> rapper singers. Oh my god. Dude, uh, you only... couldn't even fit all those names in the title of the post, dude. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> um, I recognize Esther Dean and City Girls. You should be pissed about City Girls, aren't they like 20 yet? First of all, they, one of them is still in jail. I don't know why they keep calling it the City Girls. There's only one of them. Oh. <laughs> Who's uh, Lala? Who is who? No idea. There's someone named Lala featured on the song, as well as someone named Lupita Nyong'o. Is that an actor? You Actress? know who Lupita is. She's the the one with the you know her. She was in Us. She was in Black Panther. And I don't, I don't watch movies. Watch movies. I don't oh watch my. any movies or TV. Good lord. All right, Peter, your mentions for disrespecting Lupita. Ask, ask me about sports, and I could talk all day. Movies, well, no idea what's going on. I can guarantee you Lupita was not playing for the Braves. But Lupita <laughs> is pretty much the biggest actress in the world right now. So you need to know who that is. Now, this Lala, is that like the Lala actress or some Lala yeah. rapper? I think that's like Carmelo Anthony's wife. I could be wrong. Okay. Now, I know that Lala, but if there's another Lala, I don't know her. Well, guys, Melanin. Ed, what's going on in this song? It's a whole lot going on in this song. I actually saw some pretty positive response to this on Twitter. And I see what she was going for. But this is a one of those cases of too many cooks in the kitchen player. It's just like too much going on. It's a bouncy Sierra song and she's celebrating, you know, the... The beauty of melanin itself, that's probably why Lupita's here, because she has, like, the most flawless skin I've ever seen on a human being. She looks like a walking painting. But, just too much going on here for me, y'all. And I don't know why the city girls are here. I don't know why the city girls exist. (laughs) Tom, I read on YouTube, someone said, the song is cool, but this song sounds like something a mother would make for their child. What does that even like mean? It's, that type like, of, it's, like th- it's like that type of music where it's No, like it's not music. wrong. It does sound like that. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. Well, she is a mother, though. Then that's she what I'm is. saying, so you can't be mad at that. You can't be mad at that. No, you can't. 
I'm but, not mad at it, but as my wife says, that's a save the world song, and nobody wants to hear the world saving when you're trying to listen <laughs> to songs. Listen, Ed, you, no one's forcing you to listen to the music. Oh, that's... I mean, <laughs> Now you sound like a stand when I give it a bad review. Nobody forced listen, you to review this. Well, look at me. I didn't listen to music for six months. And you are a much happier place. I should have joined Exactly. I was skipping <laughs> through the streets in New York listening to my Stevie Wonder. Uh, unlike me dragging through the streets of Birmingham listening to <laughs> Jeremiah. <laughs> but guys, it seems like Sierra is trying to get another viral moment with this song. I think that was yes. the intention. Is it going to work this time? I think it actually probably will. I'm sure there'll be some melanin challenge and it'll be a bunch of little black girls and little brown girls doing kind of that flossy dance and they'll be sharing the videos and and it'll be cool for a moment and it'll trend on Twitter for like two days and it will forget all about it. I mean, that seems to be her lane right now. That's what she wants to do. Cool. But that again, that viral fame just doesn't last. It's cool for buzz for like a day or two, but that's it. I agree. It doesn't really do anything for her artistry, all these viral challenges. But, I mean, she can perform, so maybe it does help. Uh, we got a couple more records and albums to talk about here. Uh, can we go into Tanashi's new album, Songs for You, Ed? We can. We can. What a pleasant surprise this is. And I know we're kind of divided on this one on the podcast, but I, as Ed, we be- know... Before you start, Ed, can I say one uh-huh. thing about... Um, about- I mean, I, this album made me look back at Tanashi. Earlier in this decade, I mean, she was looked at as one of the top standouts who was going to really become a huge star, in my opinion. Yeah. One of the most artistic, great writer and singer, had a fresh sound. So I, I, it forced me to kind of look back at that and look to where we are now. But, I mean, feel us in your thoughts on this album. Yes, and I think that's kind of the story here. This actually is a pretty interesting story as an album itself because, as we know... If we were talking, I don't know, 2012, 2011, like, Tanache was next up. She was going to be the next big R&B star. She would be the Aaliyah of this generation or whomever. I hate comparing, mm. but that's who she was going to be. Because she was really ushering in that kind of moody sound that kind of got overplayed by mid-year. She was kind of the forefront of that. She was ahead of the game. But she came in. It's been the cautionary tale of a calendar artist who gets the big deal. They try to turn her into black Britney Spears or whatever. I don't know what was going on. Fake Rihanna. And it just did not work at all. The, every single she released got worse and worse. But she left. She's now an indie artist. And this project is her chance to fund and create the music she's always wanted. And I think it works better than anything I've heard from her in a very long time. As an album... My only beef with it is that, and Tom mentioned this, I think, offline when we were chatting. It feels, I want it, and I don't, I think it may be an issue with sequencing, which is a lost art these days in this realm of playlists. It doesn't, the songs don't flow together like I want them to, but as individual songs, more often than not, they're pretty good. And she has some really good songs here. She's got some trap stuff she should have thrown in the trash. Your boy Hitmaker, Kyle. But besides that, it's a strong project and one of the best things I've heard from her in a long, long time. It really took me by surprise. Well, I mean, you know, Tanashi, it's interesting. 
just to reflect some more, I look at her career, and it's almost like the label sign. I forgot who mentioned this to us in an interview. It's like you sign an artist to a major. The, la- the major's like, oh, we love everything about you. We want you as an artist. Now, once we sign you, let's change everything about you. And yeah, it's so almost like goes. that's th- that's what happened. Like, if you remember the her earlier work, her early mixtapes, man, they, those were so cohesive and fresh. And then once she signed, it was just like grasping for straws at times. And it just seemed like she never comfortably fit into what they were looking to do for her. And, you know, now she's on her independent thing. And, you know, it's the, the results are definitely better. Like Ed said, I just... This album for me was tough to get into just because it felt all over the place at times. I'll revisit it again and give it another shot. But man, Tanache, I still have hope. She's still a talented artist. It's just, you know, not quite what we expected when we started supporting her. Damn, 2012. It's been eight years, so seven yep. years. Crazy. Mm hmm. Uh, well, I understand your guys' is, uh, comment on the sequencing but the album title is freaking called songs for you so uh, <laughs> i think she presented it as songs but ed i'll tell you what? one song and tom you need to go back and revisit this one the song no better i think it's like six minutes long that song right there that's in our top 10 songs of the year because that song is fire and guys i got so mad at ben simmons who she was writing about in that song i went into my nba 2k and I gave him an injury, and now he's out for 300 days. Oh, my God. <laughs> the petty. Jeez. <laughs> First of all, I do I do agree with that. But talking about songs for you. To listen, the songs for the Key of Life album feels like an album. It's not just songs and keys. I need some co- his, co- so cohesiveness here. Get it together, Tanache. But I'm not going to hate because I actually like this project. I do agree. That song right there that Kyle mentioned is great. That is the one I've kind of gone back to the most over the past couple days, and it keeps resonating with me. It's almost like two songs in one. I really like it. Really, I got to give Tanache props for this one. Yep, and she still looks as good as ever. Now, can we move on to another song? Uh, Luke James dropped his new song. Ed, this sounds like an 80s song, maybe even 70s. It does have an 80s feel. This is one of the songs that I wanted to love, and I really didn't. That Luke James is so frustrating. I watched um, the movie. I know y'all didn't do it because y'all don't watch movies. But the movie Little last night, I watched that with the wife while we were home just eating dinner. And it's he's in the movie with um, Issa Rae and blah, blah, blah. And it just hit me. I'm like, man, this dude was supposed to be like the next. We talk about Tanache. We thought he this decade would be the one to take the ball and run. And now he's just an actor. And in the next year or so, I guess the next few months, he's going to be giving us a new project, which is long overdue. So every song that drops, I'm like, okay, I want this to be the one. I want this to be the one. And it's all right. It's not bad. It's well sung. I do appreciate the throwback feel. But something's missing for me. Why does it, for me, feel like every time we get a new Luke James song, it has a different sound to it? I, I just don't know what's going on anymore. It's, it, remember um, These Arms, which came out last year? It was like mm-hmm. an R&B ballad. You know, he had that song Go Girl with BJ and Chicago Kid and Roe James just a few weeks ago. We talked about that. that song was kind of crazy. This one's like an 80s song. I mean, if you look at all the singles that have come out in the past few years, it's all different. I, I just don't know who Luke, Luke James is anymore, guys. 
that's the issue. He's always struggled to find his sound. I think that's why that last album that he dropped was so the reviews were mixed. I was one of the few who actually liked it, but it didn't sound like the Luke James that we expected. It's not like that mixtape that Whispers in the Dark, which was incredible. Man, I should have put that on my overlooked albums of the year list because that thing was incredible. But anyway, he's just always struggled to find who he is. We know he can sing, but who are you as an artist? That's kind of the conundrum with Luke James. So I guess you're suggesting that Luke James look at his Instagram handle and just repeat it to himself. Or is it Instagram Twitter handle and repeat it to himself? Who is Luke James? Who is Luke James? (laughs) Basically, <laughs> yep. Uh, some couple, uh, a couple more new records here to talk about. Uh, Janae Eiko, Tom. I know you listened to this one, and you had no idea what was going on. Man, I'm glad you brought up Janae Eiko because I keep getting, you know, uh, looking back on this decade of music. We, it's, it's about the end of it, and I'm just trying to keep revisiting it. Janae Eiko to me is it, <laughs> another one. It almost is like what happened. I mean. She is still a huge star, but man, I just feel like she had the opportunity to make such a bigger impact than she did following that first project that everyone was raving about, you know, sold out. But yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to, to follow her at this point. I listen to the single. I'm like, I, I don't know, guys. I mean, what do you think? Is this um, the, is this, <laughs> this isn't, is this the um, Big Sean record or another one? Yeah, it's the Big Sean record. Oh, God. Yeah, the internet was <laughs> raving about this one. What's it called? Because like everybody's been, it's been like everybody's hashtag for a week. None of your concern. Yes, that's I it. None like of your Ed, concern. Ed, they were raving because she got back with her ex. Isn't that all they really cared about or whatever? I don't know. I, I, people like songs where they can like slander people using the title. So none of your concern, <laughs> and it's full of songs. It's like get out of my face and you suck and blah blah blah. So I've been seeing bits and pieces and lyrics of this song all over my feed for the past week. It's whatever. Big Sean is an embarrassment as usual. If one more person (laughs) tries to convince me that this man is some elite rapper when he has not seen beat one, and he's been around a decade too. Y'all been hyping him for a decade as some top-tier rapper, and he has not once been on beat. And he ain't on beat on this one either with his half-singing. This song mm. with her part, her part's okay, but I'm sure I get why people like it because it's meme culture. You can pick and choose the lines and say, "Oh, none of your concern, ha ha, whatever." But Big Sean is terrible. I just want to put that out there. Terrible, <laughs> right? Uh, got a couple Hot. more here. Right, go ahead, Tom. What happened with her? Uh, no, like in, I, in reality, like do you consider that she, like? is not huge anymore. I mean, I know she's a celebrity, but like what happened in her career, I'm just trying to figure it out. Like I'm on Wikipedia. It says her trip album sold 10,000. I mean, how is that? Um, she has a very loyal fan base. I know that, but I don't think she ever really crossed over or changed up her sound to crossover. I think the only record that she really did that was supposed to be with Omarion and Chris Brown. Uh, she tried Mm. that with that. What was that? Maniac. What is that song called? Oh, God. Maniac? Maniac, yeah. Like, she tried with that one, but it just didn't connect. But, Tom, there's probably a group of fans out there from this generation that think Janae is, like, their generation's Sade. So, I think that's a win. Oh, oh please. Not. That's 
That's someone who heard one Sade song in their life and then was like, oh, she's light-skinned and she sings slow, so she's Sade. Go ahead and go somewhere. Well, let me ask you this, Kyle. Follow-up question. Was her lane stolen? And what I I mean by that was, you know, there's only so so much space on the chart for people to be successful. You know, everyone can't be number one. So you, you went through all those LMA accolades of having number one singles. I don't... I haven't seen Janae Eco having number one singles like that. Was her lane stolen? Uh, again, it was a different time. You gotta think that came. She came out in like 2011, 2012. It was tough for an R&B act at that time to even get a number one hit. Well, my well, issue well, with her is yeah. that she has been able to. First of all, she has a very niche sound. She's a very niche mm. artist as far as like her style, like that's and that's. As you said, she has a very loyal fan base that loves everything she does. But she has never, in my opinion, ever really tried to push to be beyond what she is. She's a mother. She's a celebrity. She puts out music sometimes. And that seems like she's content doing that. Yep. So I don't really think we're going to see much more than that. Fair enough. I just wish you, if, if that's the case then, I just wish you would cut it out with some of these more attempts at commercial success, like a maniac like some of these other more recent ones. Just do what you do. Don't worry about the rest. I'm with you. You got bills to pay, Tom. (laughs) Got to feed the children. I got a few more songs here. Dondria, I just want to mention this song right here. And, Tom, I know you listened to it, too. Ed, I'm not sure if you did. Take You There. This song, I wish the production was a little stronger, but this song has all the right ideas. It's actually a pretty good song. It's not bad. It's, you know, Dondria, as we know, friend of the podcast, she's cool, and she um, is a great vocalist in her own right. And you're right, it has all the elements there, but again, it's just something, and I'm saying this a lot today, there's a lot of okay songs out, but it's just missing a something to take it to the next level. It may a fine album cut, but as far as a head-turning single, it kind of misses the mark. But as a song, it's a pretty solid song. Yep. And the last record I want to talk about before we continue our conversation on kings and queens of R&B for this decade, uh, this will be a very fitting one. Summer Walker, Chris Brown, and London on the Track, Something oh. Real. <laughs> this must Why have been the do biggest we do nightmare. this every week? <laughs> Big nightmare for you, Ed? Man, if you could get three people that drive me nuts on one track, you did it. But to be fair, I'm not going to be because everybody screams I'm biased. I am anything but. For what it is, is actually better than a whole bunch of stuff off that last album that she put out because she actually sounds awake. So there's a plus. That's all I'm going to give it. There you go. Now, let's continue our conversation of kings and queens of R&B for this decade, Ed did this list up last week we only got to mm-hmm. half of it so guys if you want to figure out who were the kings from 2010 to 20 i guess 14 go back to the last episode but i really wanted to save this other half this other portion for this episode because tom from my understanding you went back and you listened to every single thing that came out every single thing that came out i, I, well, of, I of, this, of this generation sorry yes yes yeah, I, yeah, I did play catch up a little bit there. I tried to avoid it for as long as I could. Unfortunately, I gotta, I gotta be ready for these podcasts. I can't be no dummy on here. 
(laughs) (laughs) So, let's go through this list. And it's interesting because this is around the time that R&B really started falling off the mainstream completely. So, this, this list is actually rather interesting. But let's just get started here. 2015... And Tom, I want your reaction and who maybe you thought would have been the king or queen, if not for Ed's uh, ranking. But at 2015, and this kind of surprised me, he had Jasmine Sullivan as the queen, and the follow-up was Miguel. Yep. And Uh, let me put some insight into that before you jump in, Tom, because to me, this was another two-horse race. And there was some good albums this year. I think that that year was extremely underrated, to be honest. We had your boys, Kyle, the internet, boys and girls, I guess. Tyrese's Black Rose. My girl, Tija Moses, was back. But it really came down to two, Miguel and Jasmine. And you could go either way. Honestly, if um, someone wanted to lean Miguel, that's fine. I went with Jasmine because the Miguel album had mixed reviews. I liked it. It leaned a little bit rock. I still liked and appreciated what it did. It had probably bigger singles. But Jasmine's album, I feel like, had a better charting presence in R&B. And I feel like when it's all said and done, that album will kind of go on to be one of the standouts of her career. Whereas that Wild Heart album will probably be kind of like Miguel's kind of forgotten joint. It's not Kaleidoscope Dream or the first album or anything like that. So I gave it to Jasmine, but honestly, I could go either way. 2015 was kind of underrated, but as Kyle said... Also, everything was so far under the radar. It's interesting. I was just thinking about Jasmine Sullivan the other day. Has she reemerged since that album came out? Not I feel really. like I haven't even heard from her. She's had a few singles and features here and there, and she performs on some of these you know, big-time award shows. But as far as a kind of project, not really. She just yeah. pops up on albums. I can't argue with those two based on your analysis. I mean, that's when it started getting real tough, though, for R&B. So, yeah, we'll go with that. I, You know, and not to sound biased, because that's what probably it's going to sound like, but I would argue Tyree should be on this list as the king. Wow. Well, that I Black say Rose album. About Tyrese. That Black ahead, Rose Tom. album, that was a moment for R&B. Shame was a huge record that year. I don't think he put out any other singles off that album, but when you when you count those two things and you factor it in, I think that's your king right there. Well, I will say this, and the reason why, and I strongly considered him too, because I know that album is beloved. But for me, I feel like a lot of, even though that album got a lot of praise and it should have, I feel like also a lot of the conversation around Tyrese was Tyrese antics combined with that. And I wanted to stick strictly with like product. What did you put out? Are we talking about you because of your music? Or are we talking about you because of your music and you acting crazy? So that knocked him down all wrong for me. What do you but mean? Again, that's yeah. Tyrese, Tyrese, Tyrese claimed that this was the most important R&B of the last decade. That didn't. That wasn't good enough? No, it was not. Now we see why this guy likes Jacquees so much. <laughs> I ahead, will Tom. say, though, man, he, he really laid the blueprint for, for how to do an organic campaign when launching an album. He I mean, he was doing all types of viral stuff. He was singing in the streets, in the subway. like mm-hmm. He was doing all types of crazy stuff. And then 
I wish a lot of artists would follow that lead, following that blueprint, because he did really well. Granted, he's got a ton of money, and he has got a lot of time on his hands, and he loves to use his platform and talk, but still, other artists should have followed at least some of those ingredients on how to promote an album independently, and no one ever really did, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, Let's continue with this here. We have 2016, Bruno Mars, surprise, surprise. (laughs) What does that mean? And then runner-up is uh, Solange. Yes, so this was another year. These are the two years where I was kind of, before I started making the list, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Because there were really, the mainstream presence was so weak for R&B, it was hard to say who ran the year. And when I went back and revisited my reviews and the notes and the charts, if you are not an educated R&B fan, and I'm not trying to hate, but I'm hating, There'll be people saying, oh, well, Rihanna was the biggest R&B artist or Frank Ocean or even the Beyonce album. Like they are artists who make R&B sometimes, but none of that stuff is, you know, authentically R&B through and through just because it has elements of it. It does not. The biggest presence in 2016, and this didn't happen until the end of the year, but the biggest presence was Bruno's New Jack Swing love letter. Because for a while, and it bled over into 2017, that was the one that kind of had everybody, okay, back on their nostalgia stuff. It showed the nostalgia actually had a selling point. And he was kind of putting New Jack back into the spotlight. We had never seen R&B rocket to the top of the charts like that again. So to me, he gets it. If we were talking about the R&B that I want, my girl's king, they probably had the better album of the year. That was one of the few albums of the decade that I considered giving five stars. I backed down. But, you know, I'm, I, honestly, how many people listening to this podcast have heard that King album? So that's not fair mm. to make them the queens. Solange, that's a great album. I think it's a little bit overrated. And I also didn't think I had to reach a Bruno. So Bruno, 2016 King. Only other names I could see in consideration. I mean, that year, Eric Benet had a great album. Joe, he did. I, I think that might have been Joe's final album. I don't, we'll see. Um, other, I mean, Fantasia. There's not really a lot of choices, so we'll we'll keep it moving. Yeah. And then, Tom, this is when your newfound knowledge kicks in, because we're going to talk about some new artists here. Uh, 2017, Daniel Caesar was the king, and her was the runner-up. Now, this is weird because they're both new artists, and I think this is around the same time that all of our veterans started to really disappoint us. Ed? Mmm. Mmm. Kyle, do you not remember what came out in 2017, a double album that we all enjoyed? What was that? Music Soul Child. Does this ring a bell for anyone? Who was disappointed with that? Oh, nobody was disappointed with that. But again, we're talking about profile. We're talking about who was the forebearer. We're not really talking about who was the most critically acclaimed. I will go with then PJ Morton. Mm, I love PJ. I still wouldn't put him above Daniel Caesar or her. Those were kind of the two for me. You had Scissors and Sids and all those two, and they got props, but I feel like when it comes to profile and quality Daniel Caesar and her kind of were up there for me 
No shots at PJ, though. That was my guy. The only females I could think of possibly would be Layla Hathaway because she was in the middle of that run of Grammy wins every year. <laughs> Some say she still and... is, Tom. <laughs> she, she is. Didn't even put out a project. She's going to get one this Dude, year. Dude, yeah, she, she was getting nominated for – yeah, she didn't put out anything, and they just found a way to – the technicality. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> Uh, mo- moving on, because now we're almost out of time. All right. Uh, Shouts to her. We love you. All right, 2018. <laughs> uh, Ella May, I think this was a no-brainer, 2018. And then the runner-up, Ed's girl, Janelle Monet. 2018 was kind of like you Wait said. Wait a it was second. A no-brainer. Hold on. Are you calling Janelle Monet the, the king? No, no Ella May is the king. Play on the podcast. Oh, not wait, I thought attention. it was a male and a female. No, there is oh, a no. one. There is a winner, and then I just there's a runner up. Oh, I thought. I, wait, why is the queen the runner up? No, the queen was. Oh, <laughs> Ella is <laughs> the queen on? for 2018. The runner up is just whoever the runner up is. The runner oh, up in this, this case was Janelle. I thought you were calling Janelle the the king because of her orientation. Oh my god. <laughs> Tom, we've gone through. Hold on, we went through eight years of this, and this is what you question now. <laughs> no, but this is the first time he did, he did a. No, no, hold on. Every time was a male and a female. I thought he was doing king and queen until this oh, year. Okay. That's what I noticed. Huh? I think you're right. I think every year was a male or a female. Look at that. Oh, I'm no fool here. Come on, give me some credit. Well, I mean that's fellas, questionable. But anyway, not step it up in 2018. I guess. Uh, can we get back on topic? Good lord. So, as I said, Ella is kind of no, no-brainer no because booed up. We all know the story there. No need to rehash that. And really, she was the only person in the running. I just threw Janelle up there because while it's not a purely R&B album, it did have a little bit of R&B sex with the single, and it was technically the best album that year, so too bad. My only comment is you overlooked the great, great king, Peebo Bryson. Simply nominated because because of his epic podcast with us. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I should have given him. He, he can be the prince. Shout out, Peebo. That's my man. That podcast, people are still listening to that podcast because it's that long. Oh, man. And then finally, 2019. <sighs> Dog, 2019. And this guy just... This guy just got nominated for a Grammy for No Guidance. And we got to give him some props because earlier in the decade, earlier in the decade, his career was pretty much done. The media hated him. He was blacklisted. But now he has the biggest song or one of the biggest songs of his career. I guess thanks to Drake. I've seen a lot of Twitter responses saying that. But Cousin Chris is your 2019 king. And Cousin Chris is also your king of the decade. (sighs) If anybody ever questions... Whether I'm biased and I only like certain artists and I never give young people a chance and blah, blah, blah. I will give them to link to this article because never did it hurt me more and disgust me more than to make Cousin Chris the 2019 king. And he is really the king by default because there is absolutely nobody else that you could even put in that category. Your girl Summer Walker, half asleep, Jacquees and Tank. Come on now. There's nobody for this year. And even Cousin Chris, that album is horrible. But, again, who is the flagship artist of the year? It's got to be him. Whether I like Kyle, it or not. 
Kyle, this makes me wish we were both born 10 years earlier so we could have started the site in 99 and had a great decade of R&B to post about. <laughs> yes. But then but then, if we were born 10 years earlier, we probably would have been pissed nobody sounded like Christopher Williams anymore. Yes, because that's I'm pissed about this. <laughs> what? Oh, I'll boy. take Christopher Williams over Christopher Brown any day. Oh, You're geez. still looking for a new Whitehead Brothers song. I am. <laughs> oh boy. All right, guys. Let's focus here. Uh, I've got two pieces of news, and then we'll move on to the Soulback track of the day. Uh, news number one. Speaking of Chris Brown, Ed, him, and Tory Lanez are dropping a joint album very soon. Oh, I'll be dropping my pants as I, like, just empty oh. my bowels while listening to this garbage. <laughs> That's so I boring. know this is going to be some hot garbage. Uh, and then the second piece of news, Matthew Knowles is set to release, or actually I have another piece of news too, but Matthew Knowles is set to release Girls Time. This was Destiny's Child before they became famous. He's going to drop their unreleased Vault album, so we can look forward to Beyonce at the age of 14. And Montel Jordan is also set to release his album Masterpiece next week as well. Yeah, next week, first of all, going going back to Girls Time, like that I know for a in a historical context, I know a lot of people have been interested in hearing that for years and years. I've heard about this so called Girls Time album forever. So it's kind of a intriguing thing. I would like to hear it. But I'm sure that people are gonna tear it apart because it doesn't sound like Beyonce 2020 or whatever, so people are weird. Also, that Montel, have you seen the album cover? It looks just like T.I.'s cover. Like, T.I.'s going to see player. <laughs> well, shout-outs to Montel. Can we get into the soul backtrack of the day really quick? Of course. So, Tom, if you were born 10 years earlier, you would have been able to enjoy this song. Ed... All right. We're going to give a shout-out to our boy, New Jack Swing. He comments on our YouTube page every week. Uh, we're okay. going to go with the Bobby Brown song, Every Little Step, which I just found out, and it probably is public knowledge, but Ralph is apparently singing backgrounds on that song. Did you know this? Oh, my goodness. I don't know if that's... There is, like, a lot of stuff behind that. There is a rumor that he's singing backgrounds. There's a rumor that he's actually singing the song. Like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> shout-out my boy, Derek Dunn, because he is the new... The new edition historian. I'm sure he will be quick to set everybody straight about what's going on there. But I will, and I've said this before, and y'all gonna hate it. I'm not the biggest Bobby fan, so this song don't move me. But I understand its legendary legacy, so y'all can have it. And there you have it. Now, guys, can we get into the Play of Please Awards? Oh, I've been waiting for this. Ah. <sighs> Well, we got a couple here. Um, let's start out here. Can we give a play a please to Rasby? Jeez. Please tell why? our listeners why. I know where you're well, going. Well, Rasby uh, has been dating Omarion's baby mama, which is fine. Everyone can do their own thing. You know, it's it's 2019. Love is a real thing, and if you believe in love, just go for it. But he keeps throwing, like, subtle shots at Omarion. Most recently, he was doing an ad campaign for Fashion Nova, where he was looking at his phone, and the caption said something along the lines of, uh, texting your baby mama, which is uncalled for. Omarion has not said a word 
about any of this, but it just came out uh, recently that he's going to be embarking on the Millennium Tour 2020, so a new one that's going to come out. If you guys remember the B2K tour from this year, it was epic, but my sources tell me that the next tour that's happening, B2K is not on it. It's just Omarion. Well... I won't comment too much on the Raspy Omarion thing because later this week after this podcast drops, someone actually submitted a love letters question about that. So I go into full detail about my issues with Omarion and Raspy and why Omarion is my hero and everybody sucks. But wait, wait we're regardless talking of Lil that, Fizz. Lil Fizz, not Raspy. Oh, oh, what, whatever. One of them is Omarion and the rest. <laughs> of them. Omarion, yeah, school. The rest of them are what they are. But, I mean, it's weird that I feel like that we're kind of moving away from... And I know, and we talked about this a little offline. I know people were kind of looking for it for this tour to kind of be like a continuation or part two. Look, Blair, they got to switch it up. They can't do the same thing that they did the last time and expect to draw what they did before. So, although it's a little disappointing that we're not getting B2K part two... I'm not mad at switching up, no matter what the reason is. I think it needed to be switched up. Hmm. Yeah, apparently it's going to be Bow Wow and Omarion, so I'm sure it'll do just as good. That generation loves Bow Wow. Oh, God, for whatever reason. <laughs> uh, the next player, please, we have, Tom. Uh, something about a bear? We'll discuss that next week. All right. <laughs> we need we need more time to digest this whole thing. We got a lot to talk about the bear. We all can't well, must tune in next music. week. Let me hear the music I, first before Yeah, we have it. to hear the music. But please tune in to next week's Soulback podcast because Yeah. There bears out here. There's bears <laughs> out here. And and they can sing too. Uh, <laughs> um and then the last player, please, here. Ed, I'm afraid to ask. I'm afraid to even mention this, but uh, this week on Twitter, oh, some of our favorite new R&B artists were going off on the internet, off people, off the Grammy committee, off the Soul Train committee, Gallant and, and Ari Lennox. Two of the, actually, the most talented of this generation. They were pissed on Twitter. Acting like children on twitter i've calmed down since if we recorded this podcast i don't know two days ago it would have been an hour and a half of me just going ballistic because never have i been more annoyed than i've been this week as people have been losing their minds because they didn't get awards let me start with your girl ari and i'm gonna kind of keep it short because i know we're running out of time but your girl ari lennox was up for a soul train award and she didn't win so she went on social media and went crazy and went nuts and said that she was mad because it was the best work she ever done. And she had she deserved this award. She deserved it. She deserved it. And she's quitting because nobody appreciates what she's done. Let me tell y'all children something. There are artists by the name of the Notorious B.I.G., Tupac, Snoop Dogg. Nas, I mean, we just going hip hop because they're off the top of my brain. Wait, I'm just hold on, Ed. I need to confirm something with Tom. Does Music Soulchild have a Grammy? No, he's been nominated, nope. I think, four, 14 times. Okay. Never won. 
Okay, no, nor right. has Brian McKnight, nor has Keith Sweat. We talking about straight up legends have never gotten an award for their works. However, we recognize them as legends in their field. Chick, you put out one album, one album, and you want to stop the party because you didn't get your participation trophy. Let me tell you how the world worked because your parents didn't. There are times you're going to do stuff that people are not going to appreciate it. But you need to realize your worth is bigger than somebody slapping you on the back and giving you a little trophy and letting you stand on stage for 20 minutes. If you are proud of your work, you be proud of your work. You don't whine and cry and blame everybody else for not seeing the greatness in yourself. Did Michael Jackson get a Grammy for his first album or a Soul Train Award or a BT Award? Or a first place trophy from playing Little League. No. But he is one of the best to ever do it. Because he worked harder. The story goes that when he dropped off the wall. He thought that was going to get a bunch of awards. It didn't. He got pissed. He went in the studio. He gave us Thriller. And look at that. So you get pissed and be better. Or you can get pissed and whine and cry on Twitter. That's what you can do. I need some output. And I know she has since apologized and said that it's all good and she's in a better place and blah, 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 blah. But I need her to calm down. And I need these stands to shut up because they have spent the whole day or the whole week throwing stones at Lizzo. And we have been here before. We do this every single, like every other year. I wrote about it with Robin Thicke. I wrote about it with Adele. Every time one of our favorites doesn't get something and somebody else does, then we throw stones at them. Lizzo didn't ask to be nominated for nothing. If you get mad at her, get mad at the people that nominate them. Not the, not the person that won. They don't have any control of this. It's ridiculous. Stop standing. If you want to stand for your artist, cool. I want my favorites to do well. But I'm not throwing rocks at other people because they aren't. Especially if they're talented. And especially if you even haven't even heard the album. Have these people fuss and never heard the album. They just heard the one song they played to death. It's not even that great, to be honest. But just have some common sense, please. It is in short supply on social media. Damn. And Tom, our boy Gallant, he was ranting on Twitter, too, because he feels like the label isn't supporting him enough. I don't think the album actually even went out for physical sale. You can only download it. But he tagged the record label, Warner, and he also tagged Wale and said... So I see this is where all my albums went. It turned into Wale's album. Talk. See? <laughs> I mean, you got to know what you're getting into when you sign a record deal. I mean, do they not communicate this before they release your album? I don't, I'm disappointed in our boy. He's a good dude, though. No, yeah. and we love Gallant. That's, and we were on Gallant before many other people were on Gallant. I remember I did it, and I've brought this up a million times, and I'm going to keep doing it because I'm bitter. But I have brought up a million times about how I did a post earlier, I don't know, three or four years ago, about some of the best vocalists in the game. And I mentioned him. And people were like, who is this? I don't know who this guy is. He must suck. No, you suck because you don't know him. Now we know him and we support him, as you always should have been before. But it goes back to what I was saying about the Ari Lennox and Lizzo thing. If you're frustrated, cool. Why are you throwing Wale under the bus? He doesn't have any control over what albums are printed. I'm sure he didn't say, all right, I need y'all to spend all your money that you're going to do on Gallant on me. I guarantee you that did not happen. Man, leave him alone. Let him do him. 
You got issues, handle it like an adult offline. I don't see and understand this new mentality of why we got to wild out and tag everybody. Because it just does stuff for trends and hits. It's just a big game to me. And there you have it. So guys, I think that's it for this week's R&B podcast. Uh, what I'm going to do, and I'm going to let you guys plug in your stuff too, but what I'm going to do, guys, on our Facebook page, what I've been doing is I've been, and I still listen to Cypher. Tom, are you invited to the Cypher yet? I'm invited. There's a there lot going go. on in there. I, I got to start participating. <laughs> oh, it's but, a, uh, that Cypher hopping 24-7 player. Trust. But Ed, I've, I, I stole one of your ideas. I'm going to do an overrated, properly rated, underrated on our Facebook page, and we're going to try to post Keith Sweat and see where he ranks. Oh, you better tag me when you do that because I'm a beach lurking through that post to put some people straight <laughs> if they have something crazy to say. Of course, I just yelled about Stan culture and look at me. All right. So, Ed, what's going on with SoInStereo.com? Man, some of everything is going on with SoInStereo.com. Because like we said, all month long we are doing the Blog Like Crazy Challenge. So there is new posts each and every day. And we are wrapping up the month with a lot of stuff. We, As we talked about earlier, we got the new Alicia Keys album ranking. Go check that out. I see Alicia Keys stands already mad at me. So when you're making people mad, you're doing something right. Um, we got the review of Tanache. That should be up by the time this podcast posts new love letters as we mentioned talking about omarion i will have and people have been asking for it a new edition of whatever happened to i'm not sure i think i know the artist we're going to focus on that will be later on this week i've also looked at 19 of the most underrated and overlooked r&b albums of the decade these are kind of the albums that while I was creating my best albums of the decade list, I wanted to shout out in some form that just didn't have, like, they're great albums. They just aren't elite albums. So this is my chance to go back and try to show them some love. That's already up. I've got a hip-hop list as well, kind of a companion piece. That'll be up later this week. Whole bunch of stuff, player. Nice. Tom, what's going on with You Know I Got Soul, aside from the bear that you're trying to review right now? <laughs> Just all over all this new music. I mean, not not much else in terms of interviews or anything right now. But we'll be, we'll get back to it soon. Other than that, just trying to stay on top of all this new stuff coming out as you round up the round out the year. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, we're gonna have to start working on our year end countdown as well, and maybe even a decade yep. end countdown. I'm not sure how much I really want to do that. That's too much work. But <laughs> we gotta do it for the culture, I guess. Also, can I say one thing, guys? Do your thing. All right. Doing it for the culture is one of the dumbest things ever. <laughs> like that, the, the the whole concept of that, it's dumb. Well, that's what another, does it mean? Like it doesn't mean anything. That's my point. I don't. That's my point. I don't know what it means. Yeah, it means nothing. People just say it. It's, it's Tom saying it's just like a loaded term. Like what? Tell me what it means. You don't know. It's just I'm gonna well, do something just, weird and say it's for the culture. No, you're doing it because it's I, weird. We'll bring it up more next time. That's a whole other discussion. All right, so that's that. All right, guys, we are out of here. Thank you again for listening. And uh, one more play, please. I forgot to mention this. Montrez Jones, don't act like we didn't see that tweet that you liked when it said Beyonce is better than Michael Jackson. Did you guys see that? Oh, no. <laughs> what? No, I did not see that. Someone tweeted out 
Beyonce is better than Michael Jackson. And then as I was scrolling through my feed, it said Montrez Jones liked the tweet. No, no Montrez. That, no. <laughs> but, we, but we love you, Montrez. We're just playing with you. Anyways, guys, we're out of here. <laughs>